electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Ugly night for mega cap tech last night with Alphabet and Microsoft and Texan, but some strong results out of industrials and leisure today. Going to keep things interesting, at least, along with lower yields and a weaker dollar. Euro is back above parity. Our roadmap begins with that nearly $2 billion revenue miss from Boeing, hit by problems in its Air Force One and tanker programs. Dave Calhoun is going to join us in a few moments. Plus, we do have those big technology disappointments. They are Alphabet and Microsoft, both pointing to the challenges that are being faced by these major companies as we have a slowing in the economy. And not factoring in a recession, Visa saying it sees, quote, no evidence of consumers feeling a pinch. Let's begin with the tech giants last night dragging down the Nasdaq today. Microsoft down sharply as the guidance and this cloud slowdown overshadows a quarterly beat. Alphabet posting a miss, heard in part by ad revenue decline at YouTube. On the earnings call last night, Sundar Pichai talked about reducing headcount growth this quarter. Our Q4 headcount additions will be significantly lower than Q3. And as we plan for 2023, we'll continue to make important trade-offs where needed and are focused on moderating operating expense growth. We are reviewing projects, you know, at all scales uh, pretty granularly uh, to make sure uh, we have the right plans there and and based on that, the right resourcing and and making course corrections. Uh, Jim, you brought this up with Andrew a few moments ago, adding almost 13,000 in the quarter. Yeah, that's an odd way to fire add 13 But He didn't even say fire just now. He said, we're going to reduce our additions. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that we have to recognize a couple of things. Uh, as long as we've been sitting together, it's always been the first inning of the cloud. Well, in honor of baseball season, I would say probably it's a rain out, and it might be the fifth inning. Uh, I am, uh, look, I think these companies are excellent companies. Don't get me wrong. And the multiple for Alphabet is shrunk dramatically, so I'm not even sure it's right to sell here. But the these are companies that seem to not uniquely understand the need to call in to do a reduction in force. Now, I think that a company like uh, that's run by Ruth Porat as CFO has done her share of firing in her time. But, David, these companies are fat, they're happy, and they're wrong. Um, I hear that from uh, other investors, too, Jim, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, Whether or not these companies, these big technology companies, are actually able to execute on what you're discussing, which is basically cutting people in order to enhance margins, heading into what many believe is going to be a continued slowdown, remains a key question. We saw that letter from Brad Gerstner. Uh, earlier in the week That's to not Meta. That's the first we're going to see. No. And I mean, embracing a theme that, that many have heard. But, you know, we've got also questions about productivity of how much fat is there? I mean, how many people are still working from home at these companies? How many hours a day are they really working? Um, that may be part of the culture there. Just keep adding people. And I think, to your point, one of the more surprising elements of this quarter 
was not the slowdown in ad spending and not perhaps the reduction in top line growth, certainly, but the fact that they added 12,500 people during the quarter. Right. The the unrealistic nature of, of that company is shocking. You know, when I think about what Starboard said about Salesforce, and you know I like Salesforce. Yes, I do. Uh, when I think about uh, what Gerstner said. Uh, about Meta. Yeah, I say to myself, okay, it's taken activists for them to realize that they have too many people, as if there's some sort of old line industrial that hasn't fired people. Uh, but I will come back to something that if you go back to what Zuckerberg said on his previous call, he made a comment. He said, the worst is yet to come. I went back over and did a, a close, uh, I, I'd say what I did was I, a close parsing. He was not speaking about the worst is yet to come with Meta. He was speaking about the worst is yet to come with the economy. So therefore, despite the fact that he has been the butt of many jokes for his obsession with Meta, he's trying to get away from advertising. And at least he saw, and they are fired. Yes. They, he they, saw this coming. They, they need to deal with their cost structure as well. Right. Carl, Carl, I'm hearing it more often now. Companies sort of talking more openly, as Zuckerberg did a while ago, about yes. the possibility of a real recession. Um, in a way, even, frankly, that wasn't the case as little as four to six weeks ago. Yes, I think that's so right. It's amazing that there was full stop in semiconductors, full stop. Uh, you know, one of the things that's amazing, I'm not sure if we have Jim Uppleby coming on at Caterpillar. Someone who's been seen cyclical, Judy Marks, Otis. These people have seen it. They know what to do. They know if you have too many people, you go. Now, the government has given so many orders to Caterpillar that Caterpillar won't be bad. But the government's not giving orders to these companies. (laughs) Ad spending is not part of the Infrastructure Act. And and yet what's so interesting, did someone not know at Alphabet that there are fewer crypto ads? (laughs) When you have a 20-year decline in mortgages, did it not dawn on them that there might be fewer mortgage Uh, ads? FT's got a piece this morning about the worst performing ETF of the year is that new Bitcoin spot ETF. Well, yeah. it's, it's lost more money for investors but, than any. But, so Jim's point, that was the reason YouTube was down 2% advertising. It's the size of these companies, though, Jim, is still stunning. Well, and it, you said it. They're still incredible companies generating right, $63 right. Billion no, alphabet did in free cash flow. We haven't even gotten to Microsoft numbers, which, you know, I'm hearing from investors. There's a lot more faith in their ability to manage the margins at Microsoft, perhaps, than at Alphabet or some of the others. Azure is still strong. And it is the name Microsoft often that you sort of you know, it's the safe place to hide, and it still may very well be that. It's still not down below that. where it was a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. That's important. Uh, I, look, I, I think the world of Amy Hood, I've known her for 30 years. Uh, she, I'm not saying she drunk the Kool-Aid. I am saying that she's not at all really uh, concerned. And I think concern is what the course of the day. Uh, we're going to watch those two, obviously, uh, huge implications, especially for uh, mega cap tech. But Boeing's the other big story this morning. Our Phil Lebeau has a very special guest for us today. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Carl. Dave Calhoun, CEO Hi. of Boeing. Good news, bad news kind of quarter. We'll talk about the good news with cash flow in just a little bit, but we've got to start with this charge. $2.8 billion defense-related for your fixed-price programs, expected losses over the next several years. What's the problem here? Well, the environment, I think, that has been described to your viewers and that I experience and our company experience is a rough and tough supply chain world. 
with a lot of pauses, a lot of interruptions, a lot of those kinds of things. Um, in effect, what we've done is sort of looked at our programs, run them out to conclusion, which is what you have to do from an accounting standpoint, from a contract standpoint, and just said, we're not going to get better. We're going to accept the world as it is. We're going to run it out for the next year to year and a half. The cash burn rate doesn't get worse. It simply doesn't get better during this period. And ultimately, that's what that charge reflects. There are a number of people who looked at your bids for military contracts, government contracts over the last several years and said, where are they coming up with this? They're way too aggressive and they won't be able to make money on these. And then you have Air Force One. And let me be blunt about this. Was Air Force One a mistake to agree to the price that President Trump said you guys need to agree to? Was it a mistake to agree to that contract? Well, it turns out the critics were right. So we didn't get enough price, and that's fairly obvious to all of us. Nobody anticipated the environment that we're in with respect to inflation and all of, all of those things. And honestly, the biggest probably mistake on the VC-25B or the Air Force One was the, was the fixed-priced nature of it. Uh, when, a, uh, when a program that requires that many agencies and that many things to come to bear on a particular platform, and there's only two of them, um, that just begs for more of a cost incentive kind of, kind of contract. So the good news is, and I'm not going back over that, as it's, it is what it is, we're going to finish these programs. The tanker program is going to be a great program. It is serving the Air Force in a big way. We have 60 of them flying out around the world supporting our, our military men and women. So we're proud of them, and we'll finish Air Force the same way. We'll be proud of these products. Um, and in, in the meantime... We haven't taken any of these fi fixed price development kinds of contracts, and it's not our intention to ever do so. All right. Jim's got a question for you. Jim, go ahead. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you, David. It's good to see you. Uh, you know, I've been at times critical of how Boeing's done, but I, I must say wide body orders, that is your wheelhouse. Uh, narrow body, I think that China may be uh, playing with fire. They need more planes. You have them. But I have to imagine that you have far more demand then they realize, particularly if we decide to to limit semiconductors for what they want to make. I'm questioning whether this isn't indeed your time. Well, Jim, I uh, again, it's it's, it's exact, exactly the right point. While there's a lot of discussion about supply chain constraints in the world and in our industry, demand has uh, frankly never been more robust, and it is everywhere in the world. It was always strong in the narrow-body world as domestic markets reopened. It is now getting quite strong in the international world as the international routes are beginning to open, and COVID is in the rearview mirror. That one exception is China. We're free traders. Uh, we would love to continue to do business with China, but we're not going to put our investors at risk as we go down this path. And as, as we've said before, we continue to de-risk the backlog that we have and the airplanes that we have on our tarmac. Um, we will support China. We will support our customers in China. But frankly, we're not going to take the kind of investor risk that we probably had in the, in the last year or two. Well, David, it sounds like that you must have something up your sleeve. It's hard for me to believe that you've come on and just said what you did if we're not about to see some very big orders coming to Boeing. Is something happening? Well, yeah, it is happening. Um, in fact, you'll see orders uh, today uh, on exactly this subject. I, I, uh, I do see a robust market, conversations, discussions, negotiations going on everywhere in the world uh, for orders of magnitude. 
and size and scale. Um, and our customers know it's a supply-constrained world that we live in, and so therefore they're getting more aggressive, not less. Um, so yeah, demand is not the problem for the Boeing company or for our industry. Our job is to get that supply uh, uh, chain under control, get it stable so that we can meet that demand and deliver these airplanes to customers. When you talk about orders, and in fact it was announced within the last hour, Alaska Airlines converting options for 50 into a firm order for 50, 737 maxes, including for the Dash 10, the stretch version. That's not going to be certified by the end of the year, uh, which raises the question. You heard us talk to Scott Kirby at United Airlines last week. He said, look, if this doesn't get a waiver in Washington, we just won't order it. We'll go to we'll go to Airbus. Um, that's not an idle threat, is it? Yeah, no. Um, so sort of two questions in there. The first one couldn't be happier with the order with that Alaska. got from Alaska. Why? Because it's the max. Um, they ordered the max. They were one of the early players to order it. Uh, these airplanes are meeting all of their targets, the efficiency, the sustainability element of it. And so they want to go long on these airplanes. And that's been our experience across the board with respect to their experience with, our, with the airplanes. I think Robert on the uh, 787, same thing. Uh, couldn't be happier with the airplanes they're getting. Wish they could get more faster, without a doubt. Yes, and then for Scott, his comments are right on the money. They are what they are. I am confident we're going to get an extension. We're going to get the Dash 7, which meets Southwest's unique, unique demands, and the 10, which meets global demand in a pretty big way, that we will get an extension and they will be certified as safe airplanes. Uh, so I'm confident in that process. I don't want to forecast dire outcomes, but Scott's pretty right about what he sees. He's pretty right, but we're here in Washington. We're not far from Capitol Hill. Have you expressed this to them? Have you said, look, either this happens or some of my customers, they're not just making a bluff here. They will go with Airbus. Yeah, yeah yes, we are talking to as many people as we can on the Hill. We've talked to the administration. We've largely, if not entirely, have had support across the board, um, not because there are threats being made simply because this is the safe answer for one of the great airplanes in the world. So, uh, and we're going to maintain that attitude and stick with it, and we appreciate the support we've had from the FAA. They have not dropped pencils. They are working full, full speed on trying to get these airplanes certified. Dreamliner, you delivered nine in the quarter. That's one reason why the free cash flow was so much better than many were expecting. How quickly can you ramp production, not just of the Dreamliner, but of the MAX, and how constrained are you by suppliers where you have to go out and you have to work with them because they're running into manpower issues. They just can't find the labor in order to ramp up their production. Well, again, it, it relates back to Jim's question on demand. If this were purely demand-driven, our rates would already be at 38 and we'd be working on the next move to 45, etc. But that's not the case. So we work hand-in-glove with our engine suppliers because that is really the rate limiter, limiter and or determinant. So we have to be we have to be clear with the engine guys and vice versa. And we are. So Greg and Larry and their teams, we we compare our notes all the time. That will be the constraint. I'm looking forward to our investor conference uh, in a week, a week from now, because we're going to give them our best glance at what we think is going to happen over the next couple of years. Last question. Robert Isom at American Airlines. When we talked with him last night, he said, we just don't need Boeing to be good. We need Boeing to be great. We need Boeing to get back to where it was. Can you get back to where you were in terms of the cadence of deliveries, the production increases up to where you were before the max incidents and, and crashes in, in 2018? 
Yeah, so I'll just maybe a couple of quick comments. Boeing as it was, Boeing always had the trust of its regulator. We have regained, we are regaining the trust of our regulator, working hand in hand with them, not putting deadlines on them. The quality of the product portfolio, will the public want to fly it? The answer is yes. Across the board, Robert said himself how much, how much he liked that 787 and his passengers liked that 787. Now the last straw for us is the supply chain. Get it stable, get it predictable, and deliver. And I think that is exactly what Robert now is referring to. We're all over it. We're working as hard as we can. But like my counterparts in the industry, we got to be smart about it, patient about it, and train all the new workers that are now moving into this industry the right way, and we'll get, we'll get that done. Dave Calhoun, yeah. CEO of Boeing, on a day where, yes, they reported a huge loss, guys, because of this $2.8 billion charge related to these fixed-price uh, defense programs. Uh, but the free cash flow, better than expected. Carl, back to you. Uh, great work this morning, Phil. Appreciate that. Uh, Phil LeBeau. Still to come this morning, a Bristol Myers Chief Dr. Giovanni Cafario on the company's earnings and where the strong dollar now fits into the picture. Take a look at the pre-market. We'll get to Visa and Hogg and Kraft and Chipotle and Mattel, Bed Bath, Spotify, and a lot more. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Consumer spending boosting Visa's bottom line. The stock's up in the pre-market on this quarterly beat, helped by a jump in payment volumes. Also, that nice uh, 20% dividend, authorizing a new buyback, $12 billion. Here's what Al Kelly had to say on last night's earnings call. We faced some headwinds, in particular lapping Visa and, and a challenging FX environment. We did not factor a steep economic downturn or, or recession into our numbers. To the, one, to the extent one occurs, it will have some impact. That said... We recognize that some economies around the world could face increased pressure, so we will be monitoring things very closely. Uh, payment volume, Jim, up 10. Prior quarter, up 12. I listened to that quarter. Good, good quarter, no doubt about it. I want to revisit American Express. Now, American, I know American Express took a higher provision, but a lot of that is because they expect a lot more business. Uh, this is travel quarter. Uh, it's funny. If American Express reported tomorrow, that stock will be higher. Because what Visa is saying and confirming to a lot of us is that in the new war, which is what we feel we went through with COVID, we feel like we've won. And if we've won, David, that means we go places. Uh, That's why Boeing has demand for a 787. Uh, That's why I like American Express. And that's why I think Visa, which no no provision whatsoever, is in a catbird seat. Yeah, interesting. Uh, As you say, in contrast to American Express last week, the stock of which went down because of that 
perhaps larger than expected provision, although their point is, yeah, because we're just doing more business. Well, yeah, the but the overall point, I mean, people have been traveling now for quite a while. The only question is, would it diminish? It doesn't seem to be. No. It, Carl, I, I, the, the psyche of America has changed. Now, well, I'm not just talking about the people who take three-day weekends because they're not working as hard, and we could debate that. Or as Scott Kirby said, they now travel on days that they didn't normally. Hybrid right. days. Hybrid but, days. But is it possible... You know, we, we, we live in a world where we talk about strong dollar, weak dollar. I think the American people have realized that the dollar is so strong that they're going to places that they've never been. So you see these extremely full flights to cities that were flying empty because Americans recommend, re- recognize, you know what, we're kings. Uh, well, Hilton with a B, Revpar uh, up above 2019 for the first time, Jim. Uh, and that's with occupancy still six points behind. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, but let's go back to visit Airbnb. They had a very good quarter. I don't know why this, this stock was going up a little bit. Uh, but I think that what hurt, surprised us with Google is we all thought, that, including me, that there'd be travel advertisements. But we didn't know that crypto uh, was more important than travel, which is really extraordinary. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell. Still a lot of names to get to and more, of course, tonight on the way uh, in the form of Meta. Don't go anywhere. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Let's get to a mad dash. We have two minutes before we uh, start trading here at the NYC. Norfolk Southern. Yes. Now, Alan Shaw, who is the CEO, will be coming on to join us in uh, the next hour. Okay. And I hope he gives a good breakdown of the actual cargoes. Because remember, I said the other day that CSX, Mr. Hendricks, had really dramatic was notes. better, and Union Pacific not as good. Right, because coal was good, mm-hmm. uh, various cargoes. Because we're trying to demonstrate whether commerce is still increasing or decreasing. Uh, railway operating revenue was a record. Uh, income from railway operations record. Net income a record. Dilute earnings per share record. Now these are all good news, and what it says to me is they have coal too. Uh, so let's keep in mind that, and plus what I was talking about to Judy Marks about Otis. This is coal, not, this shipping. is coal shipments, not necessarily for domestic use, but exactly. for export. Yeah, you know, the uh, Germans seem to have outsmarted themselves. They've become, in their desire to be green, they've gone brown. Right. Well, it's a direct result, obviously, of no natural gas coming right. from Russia. But, but it, yes, they, they didn't plan for that, and no. therefore they are now relying more on coal, which of course is far dirtier than natural gas, and they shut down or decommissioned a number of nuclear plants. Right, Not well, great planning. No, well, what's, what's incredible to me is, is that it, it, it's just, it's a little uh, ironic that the ramp up in this country is coal. We can't produce enough coal. And if we could, I'd like to know whether Norfolk Southern, Mr. Shaw, who is the CEO of Norfolk Southern, whether Paul is seeing a, such a, such strength, along with intermodal, that you have to question the weakness of the economy. It just seems to be weak in places like Microsoft, not in places like Paul. 
Yeah, small volume up 14 at the railway. Let's get the opening bell here in the CBC real-time exchange with the big board. It's 3M celebrating its Young Scientist Challenge at the NASDAQ. It is driving technology company Mobileye celebrating its return to the public markets. CEO is going to be a guest on Tech Check later on today, Jim. Prices above the range at 21. They're going to raise about $860 million on a $16 billion valuation. We might want to be, uh, let's say, skeptical of that uh, whole process. That's pretty much what uh, Intel bought it for. It was a profitable company when Intel started. It's not profitable anymore. Uh, what accomplished? What was accomplished there? I had Mobileye bef uh, before Intel bought them, and I said, this is one of those companies, uh, a high-growth company that's making a lot of money. Now there is not as high-growth, worth less, and losing money. So, once again, incredibly nice people at Intel, David. Uh, well, the market agrees with you. As you take a look at uh, oh God, what the, the last factor. few years have held for investors, it's not been a pretty picture. Of course, the key there was not the purchase of Mobileye and now selling part of it back into the market. It right. was more their miss of a very important leap in terms of nanometers and how many on right. a chip. And that's when they missed that, it all kind of fell apart from there. Pat Gelsinger obviously trying to... Uh, trying to regain some of that lost market well, share. This was a Brian Krasanich purchase. Uh, yes. And uh, I would have expected more from Mobileye uh, because people like to pay up for autonomous. Uh, by the way, I want to notice on our so-called crawl underneath that Microsoft has still not found its footing. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that when you listen to the call, they sounded like it was an excellent quarter. Both Al Alphabet and Microsoft, if if a company like Caterpillar, Jim openly started his call uh, when his company was doing poorly with the way that they started, we would be calling for Umpleby's head. Well, what's your view? I mean, we didn't talk as much about Microsoft at the top of the show as we did Alphabet. So let's talk Azure for a minute. We can also talk about Google's cloud uh, uh, as well. But obviously, the growth rate has slowed, but it's still a very significant one in oh, Azure. It's good, and the, co um, the, cost, the cost went up. Uh, there seems to be more of a scrum involving uh, cloud. Azure is doing well, it's just not doing as well. So I would have started the quarter with saying, we were not up to what we were hoping for. Not, this was another good quarter. Carl, this idea of another good quarter, can we save that for companies that have, let's say, another good quarter? Yeah, I think the, the Wolf research note about Microsoft is titled, Winter is Here. Uh, the, uh, the damage came from Azure, not just the miss, but the guidance, uh, the, Q, the Q2 gu guide of 37 constant currency would be the largest sequential growth deceleration on record. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, because the cloud is no longer in its infancy and all these people have come on air and say we're early on in the cloud, have to, re have to revisit their forecast. We're no longer early on and a lot of companies have moved the cloud. And I think that we have to be very tough on people who say, you know what? The cloud is so early that it's not even the first inning. No. Uh, I would say that it's game three of the World Series. And let's hope the Astros don't take both. Well, wait, what's game three of the World Series? How am I supposed to get that to innings? Because a lot of people are telling wait, me wait, that it's... Just give me an innings thing. What inning are we in in the cloud? Well, okay, what we are we in? We were in the first inning or second. We're we probably in? the fifth or sixth inning. We're that late. 
Yes. We brought in our They're, relievers. Okay, okay no at this one. Point. Modern baseball, you probably yeah. bring them your relievers. You're, by you're now. starters who are relievers. Yes. No, no one, I'm telling you, these people are, are they're going to fight that description tooth and nail. And they're going to question the critics who they will say don't know what they're talking about. But a deceleration is a deceleration. And only in the world of Silicon Valley, which has never seen a deceleration of anything when it comes to FANG, do we have an otherworldly group of people saying, it was great, idiot. What don't you see? Um, <laughs> By the way, this we, drop right here it would be the biggest since COVID for Microsoft intraday. Well, look, we found out that, that advertising, not really an advertising model, but I think what we saw with them was uh, they did a remember they did that one quarter where they came out with that surprise about the dollar. Yeah, they, yes. they do have a real a lot of these without a doubt. Well, they have an enormous dollar. amount of sales overseas and they're getting right. hit by a strong dollar. But I mean, I've, many I've, other dealt, companies I've dealt with American Electric Power. Uh, Nick Aiken's retiring this week. Right. And one of the things that they've won a lot of Google business wide cloud because they have low costs. But the energy costs, here's something, David, that they didn't flag. The energy costs in Europe have have uh, raised the costs of Azure. So you've got top line going down. Operating. You have, all those you have costs going up. But, David, it's never been better. Well, all right. Operating income up 6% and 15% in constant currency. Bad, to your point, the dollar having a significant impact. Actually, Margins, though, down two points year over year to 43%. Carl, what, what, what still is interesting at Microsoft is their headcount was up 22%. There you go. Well, that's what I'm getting year. at. Now, that's that did include uh, what Nuance, Xander acquisitions. So that... They added employees, but a 22% increase in headcount. It's actually headcount. a great point you make. Yesterday, I forget who it was, was a note on Amazon saying AWS actually has a lot of expenses overseas, and a stronger dollar actually helps in that regard. When, when I was at AWS not that long ago, they were still hiring. They obviously are no longer hiring. Well, that's, and that, I, I just want to make a, a point because that came up this morning. Amazon seems to be taking on costs in a more serious way Thank you. than Microsoft or than Alphabet focus on perhaps getting some margin back in that retail business or getting some serious margin there. And so, you know, maybe more of an inflection point, again, reading from notes this morning on a conversation on this, given their focus on costs. Well, these companies are no longer leaders in, in the market. Uh, I think that these companies, David, have a very unrealist, unrealistic attitude if this continues, except for Amazon, which has become quite schooled at firing. And Mark Zuckerberg, who told you Things are going to get very bad. But is Mark going to actually fire people? And by the way, when we talk about this, yes. in, the, in the current world, it takes quite a while to reduce your workforce. There's a lot of HR well, things that have unions? to occur. There's no lawyers that have to get companies. involved. There's not unions, but it, it's still not easy to fire people. It isn't. Well, let me tell you how you've done it, because I've done it. You may have, but I don't know if you've this done is, it in a while. This is different from the things days. things have changed. I did not pick, the, just for the record, I never picked those names out of the hat. No, but you weren't able, you know, back in the day, you threw a phone at somebody and then you said you're fired and they left. It was never a phone. It was a bottle. Um, And that doesn't happen anymore. Now they would. I mean, now now it's a, well, I would be be sued by by the bottle companies. You've been taken away. No, but let's just go back over this. I'm not being glib here. What I'm saying is you can't hire at the same time when you need to fire. (laughs) You, you, You can't. It, it, it's well, counterintuitive. Well, Alphabet has always invested through the cycle, and that's what they're going to say. Well, Sorry, what? Jim. We have an incredible growth business. We always have. Growth is slowing right now. We're going to keep investing. We need to. Well, okay, fine. That does, how about this? 
let them to continue to do it and have the stock go down to where it more reflects and then buy it. How about that? Well, In other words, don't as, be, as don't you said say earlier that on Alphabet. That's not bad. That's what my charitable no, trust is going to do. You made the point on Alphabet earlier that this thing already, I mean, it does trade it at the down. discount. That's why to my charitable trust is not selling it based here. Based on its growth rate already. The companies are it's going. It's like Alphabet's ever traded at a, in a, in a years now for, at a particularly high multiple given its growth no, rate. No, it's got a, the multiple that you would save for a, 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 let's say, a tool and die company. Um, but one of the things, Carl, I look at is the stocks were more realistic than the companies. So now the companies are catching up sure. and you're discovering, much to many people's chagrin who've been in them, wow, I didn't know the companies were doing that well. I would come back to the other, which is like, why do you think they went down so big? Because eventually you'll get a realization, as did Lisa Su and Jensen Wong at AMD and NVIDIA, where they came on and said, you know what? Slowing? Sure. And we've got to be careful. And what I didn't like was, I think it's more attitude. It's more of a, what you know what, it's slowing, it's getting tough out there, we're only hiring 12,000 people. I mean, I, that they do not seem to understand their own punchline. Right. Uh, Microsoft, by the way, subtracting about 130 points from the Dow, uh, and we're still higher. Jim, you talk about tool and die. New the leaders. Companies that have raised guidance today, uh, Hog, Roper, Timkin, Wabash, These are companies. Bungie. These companies have gone through hard times and know just how to do it. And by the way, you know what else says? The banks. Look at Wells Fargo. You think they're on a hiring spree? You think Charlie Sharp is saying, you know what, business isn't that good, let's hire 12,000 people? The companies that have been through cycles are handling this moment so well. Uh, that's why I've been saying over and over again, the, the firing, David, is in yeah. Silicon Valley, because those companies well, are re- discovering, wow, we got too many people. I got one company here that is uh, going to be reducing its workforce. Uh, uh, Headcount uh, reduction of 8% seen to generate run rate savings of $110 million. That's Seagate, which reported uh, a disappointing terrible. quarter. It's terrible. And quarter. I think you can see what the stock is doing, STX. Uh, they reported customer inventory corrections worsened later in the quarter. Um, <clears throat> likely contributing to further loss of leverage. This is a note I'm reading from Credit Suisse. Uh, revenue was uh, $2.04 billion. That was below many analysts' estimates. Uh, and the street, you can see also. And they reduced their guidance as well. No, that, that was terrible. Um, it had been 2 to $2.2 billion, so the lower guidance uh, previously. So, yeah, not a great quarter. Also some uh, something about an investigation in terms of uh, Huawei. Uh, they put out a uh, they put out a filing. They received a proposed charging letter from the U.S. Department of the Bureau of Industry and Security alleging violations of the U.S. Export Administration regulations, huh. acting in violation of that by providing Seagate hard drive disks to a customer and its affiliates that were listed on that uh, barred entity list. Essentially, what would happen? Um, what would happen if the Chinese planes use are filled with American semiconductors? What would happen if one of these agencies said, you know what, we're not going to let the Chinese have our semis? Would they therefore buy Boeing planes? You can't buy Airbus planes. They're not available. They're sold out through. Uh, If China doesn't buy these last 100 planes that have been sitting on the tarmac, let me tell you, they're going to go to other people quickly. Now, I do want to point out, I'm going to give the contrary view to what happens if you get a sobered analysis from any of the people at Alphabet or Microsoft, you will want to buy. And the reason I say that 
is because Sanjay Marotra at Micron went from being bullish to bullish to bullish to bearish to bearish to bearish. Okay, not on, not only Sydney at the bear whom I met last night at Time 100. I saw that. Who's spectacular? But the bearish, bearish, bearish. On the third bearish, on the third realization that things have gotten quite bad, the stock went from 48 to 57 and is up again today. So those who want to sell these companies, all you have to do is have some of these, any one of the CFO, CEO come out and say, you know what? We're getting religion. We see that there are problems and we're going to do what's necessary. As Sanjay Marotra has, look at that stock. You call, I call that bottom. So those who want to sell these stocks have to be careful because if any of the, of the CEOs or CFOs come on and just say, you know what? I listened to Jim Cramer. He's ill-advised. We're actually taking the medicine. We're not just uh, not hiring and putting a hiring freeze on. We are looking for places to be able to fire. And then you're going to say, well, the next quarter is obviously going to be bad. That's the second bear. Right. And then you're going to have to buy. So we might be close to a bottom and top. They just need to have a different attitude. Would you argue that's sort of the tone Mattel gave you last night? They did cut the guide. It's new 52-week low this morning. Enum Cries is saying, okay, you can sell it now, but you must know that we have a Mattel movie coming out. We have 14 new movies coming out. You can sell it if you want to. Our, our costs weren't great, but understand that we are really going to be a, an actual entertainment company next year. Uh, that was one of those be my guest and sell it if you'd like to. Uh, another be my guest and sell it if you'd like to is Chipotle. I was going to say, yeah, uh, uh, costs up 20 on a two-year stack over at CMG. And yet they still made, they still did incredibly well. The analysts tried to pigeonhole them as saying, listen, in small towns, you're not doing that well. And that's because there is the beginning of your prices are too high. I thought that was hogwash. They had four different elements, very important elements. Dairy was up, avocados up. All I can tell you, David, is if Chipotle had a break in one of many commodities, you'll say, I sold it because of small town comp sales? You'll be wrong. Stocks will buy. Got it. It's moving in the opposite direction of Wing, which raised guidance again. one sixty one to one sixty three pi or one fifty five. Cops well, three times the well, estimates. Their, their commodity Come costs are going chicken down. Costs, right? yeah. Chicken costs are down. I don't get why you know it doesn't Wingstop is not known for its ribs. Yes. Got it. It's not known for its so chicken it's, costs it's, come down and the stock well, goes up. Well that that's what they sell. Yeah. And they don't lower the prices. They don't say, you know what? Our wing costs are down, so we're going to do two for one. I mean, we, someone has to give us a break here. Well, let's maybe we'll get a break from Bristol Myers. Yeah. And sure enough, we've got Bristol Myers re- reported another good quarter. We, we know that Bristol Myers is somewhat incapable of reporting a, a not great quarter, and that's because of the invention and reinvention and reinvention, which is why I'm thrilled to have Dr. Cafario, who is Bristol Myers' uh, CEO, on. Dr. Cafario, once again, incredibly strong quarter. Uh, a mixed uh, quarter being done by new drugs and old. And I want to focus on some of the new ones because I think that they're immediately profitable. If you don't mind going through uh, your portfolio of drugs that didn't exist three years ago. Uh, Jim, thank you very much. And thanks for having me today. In fact, I am very pleased with the quarter and the year. And that is because of new drugs and the fact that we are successfully renewing our portfolio. You look at our business today, much more diversified. Uh, one of the youngest portfolios in the industry. So this year, we have launched three new medicines. These are three first-in-class medicines 
for very important diseases like Obdualag for melanoma, Camzaius for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and our new TIC2 inhibitor, SOTIC2, for psoriasis. You look at BMS in the last three years, we've launched nine new medicines, and that portfolio is annualizing already at over $2 billion in revenue and continuing to grow. So, you know, when, when I look at uh, our industry and our company, it's really important to continue to innovate. And beyond the new launches I just described, we already have a next wave of new medicines coming from early development to late stage development, which gives me great confidence in the future. So from my perspective, we reiterated guidance today for the year. Even more importantly, we are on track to continue to deliver growth for the rest of the decade. Now, uh, because of a tragedy involving my wife, uh, I'm well aware of uh, hy hypertrophic uh, cardiomyopathy and how hard that is to, uh, to deal with. Uh, you seem to have something that uh, may be the first-in-class medicine to treat what is actually a very large disease. And if you don't mind talking about it, because it, this is actually one of the more hopeful stories I've seen in pharma in many years. Well, thank you, Jim. So this is Camzaios. Uh, uh, it's a medicine that comes to us from the acquisition of myocardia two years ago. And as you know, we have a long, uh, uh, important leadership in cardiovascular medicine. Uh, we launched uh, this new medicine earlier this year. It's a completely new class. It's the first time that we are able to offer patients a medicine that actually causes, uh, treats the underlying cause of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, a disease for which there has been nothing available so far. And the launch is going extremely well. There is tremendous enthusiasm for patients because of the impact it has on their daily life. And physicians are obviously very, very interested in uh, being able to offer a new treatment option to patients that didn't have uh, anything available so far. I think it's a really good example of the type of innovation we develop at Bristol-Myers-Quibb. And it's also, uh, again, important because of our long-term commitment to cardiovascular medicine and the leadership position we have in this field. Well, let's go further uh, on cardiovascular. Uh, there's some analysts who are saying that your eloquence numbers uh, were disappointing uh, and that, you're, uh, th that it was not up to snuff. I, I look at it quite the opposite. I think you continue to take share in eloquence, and I think it's a remarkable drug. If you don't mind spending just a second or two, uh, I, don't, I always hate for, to ask you to refute something, but I read this as being another strong quarter for Eliquis. Yeah, thank you, Jim. It was uh, a very strong quarter for Eliquis, particularly in the US, where we continue to grow uh, demand. And Eliquis is the market leader in, in anticoagulation, but it continues to gain share quarter over quarter. I think internationally, uh, the business was impacted by exchange, but broadly speaking, Eliquis had another really, really strong quarter. Now, I think that, that people uh, may not understand you made a recent acquisition uh, that, frankly, we don't know much about. Uh, and, and if you don't mind talking about it, because uh, it's, it's like myocardial. We, we just saw it. Nobody remembers it. And then suddenly you've got great things. So here I'm spe speaking of the acquisition of Turning Point Therapeutics. Could you explain what you've seen so far? I know it's been a short period, but obviously you examine it. I know you examine things heavily before you buy. This sounds very intriguing for, for oncology. Absolutely, and it's a really good example of how 
we take areas that we know very, very well from a scientific perspective, and we complement our internal research and development efforts with external innovation, acquiring companies like Turning Point. So in this case, uh, it's what we call a precision medicine and oncology. So Repotrectinib, which is the lead asset from Turning Point, will be able to address the need of a specific group of patients with lung cancer uh, that have a specific mutation. It's a really exciting compound, potentially best in class. We're getting ready uh, to launch in the second half of next year. And that builds on our strong presence in, uh, uh, in oncology. As you know, we have a leading position in immune oncology earlier this year. We launched Opdualag, which is the second combination of two immune oncology agents for melanoma. That launch is going very well. Now mm. with Turning Point, we are adding another leg to our leadership in oncology through a precision oncology medicine, Repotrectinib. I'd be remiss if I did not mention the loss of uh, exclusivity for Reblimid, uh, the decline there uh, year over year, 3 billion, uh, point three to 2.4 billion. Uh, is that pretty much what you thought would happen right about now when you did buy Celgene? Uh, absolutely. And in fact, we've been planning for the loss of exclusivity of Revlimid for quite a few years. Uh, and the entry of generics uh, in the U.S. this year, although there is some variability from one quarter to the other, is going pretty much as we uh, had expected from the beginning. You know, the good thing is with launching new uh, nine new medicines in three years, three new first-in-class medicines just this year, uh, we have actually accelerated the renewal of our portfolio and we are growing the company through the period of Revlimid exclusivity loss, which is exactly what we had planned to do and we are on track to doing that. So I think then about the second half of the decade, BMS is increasingly well positioned for growth. Dr. Cafario, CEO of Bristol-Myers, thank you for being on the show and congratulations on still one more excellent quarter. Thank you, Jim. As we go to break, let's take a look at the bond report. Um, wow, two-year, back to 442. Was it 4.6 uh, just last week? Can we get the 10-year below four? Uh, just a couple of basis points above at the moment. VIX 27. We'll be right back. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Carl, well, one day, um, I hope, You'll have to you'll be on Medicare and you'll have to get a supplement and you'll analyze it, as I did with Noreen Shevlin, who's my CFO. And what we did was realize that Umana offered the best deal. This used to be not the case. Well, guess what? I think the analysts who are probably in diapers uh, when I was fooling around with my hedge fund are finally realizing how great it is. So there's a piece today, Deutsche Bank, the clouds have parted upgrading Humana to a buy, which basically just says exactly what I just told you, which is Humana offers the best product. This is quite a surprise. Uh, I know I switched to United Health. I've always liked United Health. But anybody who's involved in the process will realize that Humana upped its game and offers a really superior product in a business that is almost impossible to understand. So I don't think the stock's done going up. This represents the new leadership of exactly what I'm talking about versus the people at Microsoft who had an excellent quarter. Uh, you've definitely been uh, singing Humana's praises for a yeah. while. We didn't get to a lot of the calls, the downgrade of Whirlpool, I know. Uh, reiteration of uh, Disney uh, over at Morgan Stanley, maybe later. No, you know what, we do have a, just I know the music's playing, but Joe Girardi, was, he was the manager of the Phillies. He had a really, really good run, and they fired him. Of course, they were losing, had a losing record, uh, and then they got better. So I think if some of the people would adopt the Phillies method, 
they could be in the playoffs too. <laughs> but first they have to recognize, you know what, we have to do some firing. David, it's hard to fire. You, it involves doing this. I'm sorry, David. We have to go. And you have, you to, have go. to go. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you tonight. Med Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Dow's losses are narrowing up 12 points. When we come back, more reaction to Microsoft and Alphabet. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.